0: At a train station, how many of you uh, sometimes go to train stations, the ghost station, whatever? How many of you? You make quite a bit of use of, yes, yes, a lot of hands went up. Well, at a train station one day, a policeman noticed a woman. He noticed a woman driver just bowed over the steering wheel of her car, as probably all of us sometimes do that. And the policeman said to her, ma'am, Is there anything wrong? Is there anything wrong? Half crying and half laughing, the woman responded, Well, for 10 years, for 10 years, I have driven my husband to the station to catch his train. And this morning, I forgot him. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget your husband, ladies. It can happen, right? It can happen. Just don't ever forget your babies in the backseat of the car. All right? Our theme today is, What do Jesus' final words on the cross mean for you and me? What do Jesus' final words on the cross mean for you and me? In a very short time, we will gather together on what is known as Good Friday, the day on which Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified. And while on the cross, he spoke some very earth-shattering words. In many ways, they were simple words, but, but there is contained in them such powerful truth. And so I want today to have us consider what his words spoken on the cross mean or can mean for you and for me. And first of all, first of all, some of the words that he spoke mean this, forgive those who hurt you. Forgive those who hurt you. In Luke 23, verse 34. And just before we continue, ushers, can I just have your attention, please? Ushers, ushers, can you check please to make sure all the doors from downstairs are closed? Sometimes when we hear the, the uh, worship downstairs, it's because some of the doors have been left open. Ushers, if you would just check them please as a standard procedure, that would be appreciated. Thank you. All right. In Luke 23, verse 34, while on the cross... Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing the dice. By throwing the dice. And let, let me actually even start a little bit earlier so you get the bigger context, starting at verse 32, Luke 23. Verse 32 says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. This prayer, this prayer here, which, which is the first of the seven sayings of Jesus, from the cross is, I believe, a, a powerful lesson for you and me to forgive those who hurt us. Jesus the Son asked God the Father to forgive the people who were putting him to death. He was asking that that the Jewish leaders, the Roman politicians, the soldiers, the bystanders be forgiven for what they were doing. And I want you to think about this. It's really amazing that Jesus spoke those words when you think. When you think of this. When you think of how Judas betrayed him, Peter denied him, all the disciples deserted him. Think of all this. The guards mocked and beat him, The chief priests and teachers of the law accused him. King Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. The people cried out, away with this man. Release Barabbas to us. And the mob, the mob had screamed out, crucify him, crucify him. And the soldiers nailed him to the cross. And yet Jesus said, father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. When you think of all that went on before, before that statement is made, it is almost overwhelming. It's, a, it's an incredible contrast. Despite all that happened to Jesus, even before he came to the cross and was nailed to the cross, now he says, Father, Father, Forgive them. Do you see the incredible power of those words? Come on now, do you see it? We have to ask the question who do you or who do I need to forgive? Do you need to forgive someone who has betrayed you? Do you need to forgive someone who? deserted you some years ago or even recently? Do you need to forgive someone who deserted you, whether it was a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, or friend? Do you need to forgive someone who, who has hurt you with their words? As kids, we used to say, sticks and stones might break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And that's not true at all, is it? Do you need to forgive someone in authority that somehow wronged you, at whatever time, whatever place, for whatever reasons? Do you need to forgive someone who has caused you physical pain? Forgiveness is very important for at least two reasons. You need, I need, we need to forgive. You need to forgive for your own emotional well-being. And you need to forgive in order to receive the Lord's forgiveness. You see, sometime before Jesus was crucified, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 tells us that Jesus said this. He said, For if you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so today, my friends, I invite you to forgive those who have hurt you. Will you? Will you? Today... I also ask you to, to forgive yourself. Sometimes in life, you and I you and I end up doing something, usually by accident, occasionally on purpose, which ends up hurting someone. Across the years, I have usually been very careful not to do, quote, not to do stupid things which could possibly hurt someone. But there have been a few times, a few times when I felt like slapping myself for what I did. You ever felt like that? I felt like that occasionally. Here's one, one example. I can't remember if ever I've told you this. Years ago, years ago, we were having a young adult outing. Our church was having a young, young adult outing, and we, uh, we, we went to a park to play baseball. And as we were gathering and waiting for more people to arrive, uh, I think at that point, maybe there were 12 to 15 that had arrived. As we were waiting for more people to arrive, and instead of starting the um, official baseball game, uh, we started to just kind of hit some balls out. I, um, I don't know, we had uh, three or four balls and uh, softballs. So- soft but you know what? I-, I could never understand why they're called softballs because they're just not soft. If you've ever been hit by one, you know. They're not soft, right? They should be called hardballs, but then there's a smaller ball called the hardball. But anyway, so-, so anyway, it was my, my privilege... Uh, later my regret it was my, my privilege to, um, to bat the balls out and I was a pretty good hitter and I, I hit pretty far pretty hard so anyway I throw the ball and hit the ball P- pick up another one hit the ball and pick up another one hit the ball and and, uh, and the young adults would catch the ball and then throw it back to me and you know the balls would come back and I hit some more and and just clobber the balls and and off the, off the balls is we wet. Were, we were having a good time for a little while. And then uh, I, I hit a ball. I hit a ball and dear Eric White, some of you here know Eric. He's actually the, the husband of Pastor Trudy, who was our associate pastor here for just over nine years. Anyway, I hit the ball, oh, it was a beauty, oh, it was beauty, it was beautiful, oh, so far and so high, and anyway, Eric is a good catch, Eric caught it, Eric caught the ball, he caught the ball, and he was just about to throw it back to me, and uh, uh, just as he was in the process of throwing that ball, I had had smacked another ball, high and far, I had hit another ball, high and far, and just as he was about to throw that ball, the next ball, guess what? It hit him right in the head. It hit him hard. I heard the impact. I heard it. And, and it, it hit him like a missile. I mean, uh, you know, it was a big field. You would not think that the next ball would go exactly where Eric White was standing. But he did, you know, he was, he was engaged in throwing back the previous ball. Didn't realize what was coming. He didn't realize what hit him. And I I saw dear Eric, I saw dear Eric collapse. He went down like a rag doll. And I ran over, I knew that this was not a good sight. I ran over, I ran over, Eric, 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 Eric. There was no sound from him. He was knocked out cold, he was knocked out cold. In fact, I had never seen this before, but his body, his body was twitching. His body was twitching, like it was convulsing. You medical people, what would you say? Convulsing? Twitching? Um, I, was, I was begging him, Eric, wake up, wake up. Eric, 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 Eric. Not a word from him, and his body's, you know, just b- kind of bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down. I, I said, Lord, Lord, I hope I haven't killed him. I hope I haven't killed him. I mean, he just wasn't responding, and his eyes were just wide open. He was just staring at me. And um, uh, I tried, some others tried to bring him, bring him back to life, uh, but there was no response. We called the ambulance, called the ambulance. The uh, ambulance, of course, came, and we rushed him to the hospital. I went over to the hospital, and, uh, and uh, they did all kinds of uh, tests and x-rays and gave him all kinds of, of treatment, but it was quite a while, quite a while before he started to even respond and while at the hospital, while at the hospital, while they, they assured me that he had a heartbeat, but there was just no response, no response. And for, I can't remember exactly how long, but I just, I just remember praying saying, Lord, Lord, I, I, I sure didn't mean to clobber Eric like this. He's my friend. He's my friend. I didn't want to knock him out. This was not done in purpose. Lord, please revive him, revive him, bring him back to life. And it was a very serious situation. Uh, I can't remember if any of you were with us on that occasion. But uh, finally, 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 he started to come to a little bit. He started, he started to come to. And I, you know, I was sweating it out, I was sweating it out. And finally, he started to come to. And, and um, it was a very slow process. But eventually, eventually, in, in the days to come, uh, although he ended up with a very large goose egg, I mean, very large goose egg and, and bandage. Uh, finally, his memory started to come back. And, uh, and, and in time, in time, he healed up. He healed up. But I, I can tell you this, all right? Fortunately, there, there was no brain injury. There was no brain injury. And like I said, he was healed up in the weeks ahead. But I can tell you this, for a long time, for a long time I felt terrible. Although it was, quote, an accident, it took me a while to forgive myself. Now, some of you would say, well, you didn't mean that intentionally, Pastor Nick. What was there to forgive? All I can tell you is I, I was feeling so terrible that I had hurt someone. And uh, this is partly why some of you, maybe notice I'm super extra careful with all kinds of games that our teens play, that our children play, that my grandkids play, or anybody is involved in, okay? It's because of some incidents like that. But anyway, Eric, Eric bounced back, but there came a point in time when I had to forgive myself, forgive myself for my stupidity When I say stupidity, uh, I should have, I should have realized that, you know, when you're hitting balls out quickly like that, it's possible that someone might just be in the wrong place at the wrong time and experience a very terrible injury. So I want to say to you, is there anyone here that you need to forgive yourself in regards to something that's happened in the past. Perhaps it was by accident, as was the case with me. I wanna encourage you today to forgive yourself, amen? There are some other words that Jesus spoke and so I want to take you to this second truth that we learn from the words of Jesus on the cross. And the second truth is this. The promise of heaven is available to you. This comes from Luke's Gospel chapter 23 verse 43. Verse 43 where it says, Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. You'll be with me in paradise. And if you, if you start to read actually from verse 35, you get more of the larger picture where verse 35 says, the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let, let him save himself if he if he is really God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise, said Jesus. Jesus said to the other criminal on the cross... Today, you will be with me in paradise. I believe Jesus was telling him that he would receive the gift of heaven. My friends, whether it's when we are on our deathbed or when we are children, teenagers, or adults, if you and I turn our minds and hearts towards Jesus, If you begin to put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then you can be assured that your eternal home, your eternal destination, is heaven. Amen? Over the years, I have watched many dear people in our church family and outside of our church family become very ill due to various illnesses. I have recognized the fact that unless God performs a miracle, they would eventually die. The good news. The good news is that at some point in their lives, they put their faith and trust in Jesus. And our dear fellow believers who have been very ill have had the assurance, the assurance I say, that they are on a journey to heaven. And Philippians 3 verse 20 says... Our citizenship is in heaven. Amen? Our citizenship, our citizenship, Pastor Milton, is in heaven. Amen? Our citizenship, Sister Angela, is in heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't that marvelous? That's where our citizenship ultimately is. And first John 5:13 declares, "I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, not so that you might think, so that you may know that you have eternal life." Amen. My friend, do you know? Do you know that you have eternal life? A place in heaven? How can you know? How can you know? Well, here are the simple ABCs of how you can know. A, admit, admit that you are a sinner. B, believe, believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And C, claim, claim your promise of heaven by faith. A, B, C, admit you are a sinner. Believe in Jesus, claim your promise by faith. That's how we receive the promise of heaven. Amen. Here's a third statement that Jesus spoke on the cross that speaks to us very loudly, and it is this Be careful not to get so assured. Oh, so absorbed. In fact, why don't you read it with me from the big screen. Be careful not to get so absorbed with your own needs that you forget to care about others. This comes from John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 26 and, uh, and 27. Well, we have it on the screen there, so why don't we read it together in unison from the big screen, Okay? When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple, it's John, took her into his home. He took her into his home. My friends, when Jesus was on the cross, he could have been, He could have been so absorbed with his own emotional and physical pain that it would have been extremely difficult to be concerned for anyone else but himself. Does that make sense? Years ago when I had major surgery to um, remove a cancerous growth the size of a woman's fist, for the first two days after my surgery... Despite being given very high dosages of painkillers, I still had excruciating pain. In fact, I remember asking the nurses, the nurse, uh, did did you folks give me any painkillers? Oh, yes, sir, we gave you the highest dosage of morphine allowed. Why do you ask? I said, because there's so much pain. That's why I'm asking. But anyway, I I remember those first couple of days I had so much pain. I, I, I could hardly think of anything else or anyone else because my mind was just absorbed in trying to cope with the pain. And some of you have been there and you know what I'm talking about. And, and so I am in, in, in what I would say really extra awe. I am in awe over the fact that despite, despite the agony that Jesus would have been going through, he paid attention to the criminal on the cross and said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. And furthermore, furthermore, Jesus took steps to make sure that his earthly mother, Mary, would be cared for. One writer says, In addition to losing her son, Mary was also losing his protective covering in a society where women were often treated as second-class citizens after the family males died. So, this author says, as well as coping with her grief as a mother, Mary may have been wondering what the future held for her. And Jesus recognized that. Beloved, Jesus took steps to make sure that John would take care of Mother Mary. And as I speak those words, I want to commend many of you here Many of you who take such great care of your mothers and fathers, especially especially when they have not been able to take care of themselves. And uh, I really want to express appreciation, there are several of you here who just really show such love and compassion and care for your ailing parents. I am deeply moved by what you do for them. And, uh, if, if perhaps if perhaps you, you, have, you are someone who has been negligent towards taking care of mom or dad or some other family member in need, I believe that after today you're going to say, hey, I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going I'm to look after, I'm going to take care of my mom or dad or my grandfather, my grandmother the way they deserve to be taken care of. Amen? Amen. My friends... Whether it's you or me, the truth is, sometimes we can get so preoccupied with our own physical, emotional, spiritual, financial or family needs that we almost forget to care, to care for others. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Sometimes we almost forget even to take care of those closest. To us. And Jesus' example teaches us to never let our own needs and suffering uh, blind us to the needs of others. Amen. One of the great things, one of the great things about our Easter World Missions offering is that through our giving, through our giving to world missions or world evangelism, whatever you want to call it, it is one of the ways by which you and I can care about others. It's one of the ways in which we are able to care about what our missionaries are doing, how our missionaries are sacrificing for the gospel wherever they are working today. And here is something else that I've, I'm sure many of you have discovered. When you show concern and care for others, Somehow, your own spirits, your own spirit is lifted up. Amen? Somehow, you yourself end up being encouraged. Somehow, your problem and pain would seem so big, even though the problem may still be there. Somehow, it doesn't seem as much of a giant anymore. Somehow. Are you with me? Right? There's some other beautiful words that Jesus spoke on the cross and it takes us to this fourth truth. Feel free to ask God the tough questions. Feel free to ask God the tough questions. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 47, verse 46. Let's read it in unison we find another place where Jesus speaks some words on the cross. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In the New International Version, I think the translation is, why have you forsaken me? On the cross... Jesus asks one of the most heart-wrenching questions ever recorded. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? These words, by the way, are also found in Psalm 22, verses 1 through 3, where David poured out his soul in despair, asking God, why did you dump me? He says, why did you dump me? Are you indifferent? There have probably been times when you too have felt like saying, God, why have you let me down? Why did you let this happen? Why am I going through this tough time? There have been times like that with you, haven't there been? If we're honest. The example of Jesus tells me That it's okay for us to ask the Lord some tough questions. What will be the Lord's answer to your question? Perhaps his answer will help you. Perhaps his answer will make make sense. Or it might not make sense at the present time. Perhaps his answer will cause you to rearrange your priorities in your life. Or perhaps you won't receive an answer until you are in heaven. Either way, feel free to ask God your tough questions and keep trusting. And keep trusting. Amen? Here's another lesson, another truth that we learn from Jesus' words on the cross. Number five, acknowledge your humanity and your needs. This comes from John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus, read it with me, would you? Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Think about Jesus' words. I am thirsty thirsty Jesus was fully God and at the same time fully man that's a mystery if you can't understand how Jesus was fully God and fully man that's okay you see God is bigger than our abilities to understand him did you know that he's bigger than our abilities to understand him And when Jesus said, I am thirsty, in a sense, in a sense, he was acknowledging his humanity and his needs. Think about this. What can acknowledging your humanity do for you? Well, here are some possible answers for anyone taking notes. A, it can encourage you to trust more in the Lord. Amen. It can encourage you to trust more in the Lord. As a human being, you are limited, but God is unlimited. B, acknowledging your humanity can also inspire you to do your best, your very best, but to be careful not to put yourself down when doing your best doesn't seem to produce the results you expected or wanted. Amen? And C, acknowledging your humanity and the humanity of others will better enable you to forgive yourself and to forgive others when need be. Does that make sense? And and D, acknowledging your humanity will inspire you to give God more of the praise and glory when you accomplish great things. You realize that you are a human being with limitations and your heart says, something good, something good or great was accomplished because Almighty God worked through this simple human being. And no matter how great your accomplishments, you will remain a humble servant of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Here's what else we learn from the words of Jesus on the cross. Number six, we learn. The price for your sins has been paid in full. In John's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 30, we read. Read it with me. When Jesus had tasted it, the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. The Greek words, the Greek words for it is finished literally mean paid in full. Paid in full. It's what people, it's what people in those days wrote across the receipt, across the receipt when the bill was paid in full. Christ's death covers your every sin from the cradle to the grave. Christ's death has covered all your sins and mine. You cannot, you cannot add to his finished work. Neither you nor I can do any amount of good deeds to receive forgiveness of sins and a place in heaven. Instead, Ephesians 2:8 and 9 reminds us, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Amen? And Romans 5, verse 6 and 8 declares, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My friends, today I invite you to think of whatever, whatever list of sins you have committed... And now I ask you, I ask you to picture or, 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 or stamp, uh, to, to ask you to, to picture a, a stamp, a stamp placed, placed on top of them saying, it is finished. It is finished, which means paid in full. All right? Think of your list of sins and think of that beautiful statement, paid in full. The hymn writer captured this truth well when he wrote, Calvary covers it all, my past with its sin and stain, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there, and Calvary covers it all. Amen? And then, here is the last word or statement that Jesus made that is so precious. Number seven, number seven. Release or place everything into the hands of the Lord. In Luke 23, verse 46, we read. Read it with me. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Some of the issues that we struggle with seem to be never-ending, like money worries, family problems, and health concerns. Sometimes even when everything is going well, we maybe say, Lord, Lord, how long, how long before the next storm? And the only way to have real ongoing peace is to commit the outcome of whatever it is, to commit the results of the outcome to the Lord. When Jesus cried, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, or Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, it was not, it was not a cry of defeat, it was not a cry of resignation, it was, an act, it was an act of trust, an act of placing everything into the hands of his heavenly Father. And what about you? Is there anything which you need to release or place into the hands of the Lord today? For some of you, you need to place your heart, you need to place your life into God's hands and say to him, Lord, I have understood today that when it comes to my sins, it is finished, paid in full. My sins have been paid in full through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus the Nazarene on the cross of Calvary. And so if as yet you have not released your life, you have not placed your life into the hands of the Lord, today I invite you to say, I give you my heart, I give you my life, Lord, and I thank you for the fact that paid in full can be written across my life, my sins. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for what the words of Jesus can mean to us those words spoken from the cross. Lord, we haven't had time to say everything that needs to be said about each statement. But Lord, I pray that you would use at least some of these truths, some of these statements from the cross that Jesus spoke, to impact our hearts, our lives, and above all, for each one of us to come to that understanding when Jesus said, it is finished. Yes, we can say now, paid in full. Our sins have been paid in full through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. But later, resurrection from the grave, victorious of the grave, available to live in our hearts and our lives by your Spirit. And now, Lord, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, we just thank you, O oh God, for the Lord's Supper. And we thank you that as we take the bread and cup in our own minds and hearts, we can say, thank you, Lord, for it has been paid in full. My sins, my sins are forgiven. My sins are blotted out, this I know. Through Christ we pray, amen, amen. Amen.